Well, it is good to be back tonight and be in the service. I appreciate what the Lord has done this far in the week. Last night was just deep conviction. I got some text messages even after I got home last night. Or got, I call room from home anymore. That's about where I live. When I got back to the room anyway, and uh, people watching all over the country and uh, some folk under conviction even after the services and I appreciate what the Lord's done all week, but especially last night, there was a sense of urgency about the meeting last night. God spoke in a definite way, and I trust some folk got some help, and uh, I want to thank you for the privilege to have been here. I appreciate your pastor and his family and uh, his friendship, and not just his friendship, but the Christian friendship, the fellowship we have in the Lord. Uh, you realize that most of us, of course, I understand there's family here, but uh, some of you folk are family with each other, but you realize that we would have never gotten to met if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ. Met uh, Brother Taylor back here a lot of years. What was that, 2005? Is that right, Brother? Met him. He came up to our church after Katrina, and uh, just uh, folk we know, we know because of the Lord, and uh one of the greatest joys, I travel, still pastor church and travel just about every week, pastoring and preaching revivals most every week, not every week, but about 25, 30 weeks a year. And I sing about what Brother Thompson was talking about a while ago about his daddy. One of, one of honestly, one of the, I don't know the greatest thing, but one of the greatest blessings of, to me, to me personally, getting to travel all the time is hearing different stories of how people got saved. It, it, just, it just feeds my soul to hear how God orchestrated it and God worked this out and God worked that out and, and God fixed it to where you'd be at the right place at the right time and, and how that God saved this one and God saved that one. And, and I, I've heard thousands of stories over the 45 years I've been preaching and uh, still a blessing. Still a ble that was a blessing to me. I don't know about you. That was a blessing to me. And just to hear, uh, uh, I, I heard old Ed Ballou. Y'all know Ed Ballou? You know the name Ed Ballou? Rock of Ages prison minister. I heard him tell about, did you ever hear him tell about Brother Joy when his daddy got saved? He, he said that his daddy was the meanest man he'd ever knew. Just mean and hateful and beat his mother and slapped the kids around and treated everybody like a dog. And he said, you got he's afraid to even be in a room with him, literally afraid to even be in a room with him. And said one night, said he said to his wife, I'll be back in a little while. And they thought he was going to get out and get drunk or something. And said he said, I'll be back in a little while. And he went over the woods and was gone about two hours. Came back and walked up on the porch and grabbed his mother and hugged her. And said, I just want you to know I went down the woods and got saved. <laughs> and he said, after that day, I never did know that daddy no more than I knew before that day. It, it's still, it just blesses my heart. Uh, many of you would have a different story, everybody, but it all comes down to one thing. I was okay. I heard the word of God and got in trouble. And I got it convicted. I got tore up. I had to go find me a place to pray. And I got saved. And that's kind of how it all comes down to you don't understand that thing, I got in trouble, I wonder if you've ever been saved. Conviction, the worst day of my life was the greatest day of my life. Same day. The same day that was the worst day of my life was the greatest day of my life. The day I got under conviction was the worst day of my whole life. I got tore up that day. But that turned into the best day of my whole life. So thank you for letting us come. Thank you for your kindness, for the quiet room. I would be barred that often if I didn't live 12 hours away. I can't just run down rest. It's one of the quietest places I've ever been. I just enjoyed it, felt at peace. And a lot of places I stayed in prophet's chambers, they got them stuck way back in the back of a fellowship hall. You don't know where the mafia is coming in through the front door. I stayed in a place here a while back, and he said, Preacher, don't let me bother you, but now this building's full of demons. And, and he said, that's what he told me. And he said, uh, we've been broke into two or three times, but don't worry about it. You'll probably be okay. 
Uh, why don't you keep your mouth shut to Friday night? Amen. Let's all stand tonight. It's been a good, quiet place to stay. I've felt safe. I've not been threatened. And uh, I'd seen on TV before I come down, you know, over the years, before I came down to Louisiana, that gators are everywhere and pythons are everywhere. And, oh, Lord God, I don't know where this is the will of God or not. But, but if I can make it through the night, I'm headed to Virginia in the morning at 5 o'clock. So uh, pray for us tomorrow that God would help us. I'll be, you take me about, time I leave here and rest a little bit, Take about 14 hours to get to the house. And uh, so be good to you, man of God. I know you are. I'm sure you are. Be good to you, man of God. Be good to you, preacher. He loves you. He's a young man. I'm an old, wore-out man. He's got a lot of good years left in him yet. And he'll be a blessing for a lot of years to your church, to your families, your children. Be good to him. Be good to his wife. Be good to his wife. You ladies, love on his wife. Are you listening at me? Love on his wife. I never forget the first church I pastored. I'm not saying anything. Usually I just get up and preach. Don't say much for preach hardly ever. Just get up and preach. But first church I pastored, there was the stingiest bunk of folk. I'm telling you what's true. It was so stingy. It was unreal. And a fellow come in one night. We had a guy just sat right here on the second seat right in front of the pulpit, and uh, he chewed tobacco, you know. And, and uh, he was he was just had a lot of money. He was a rich guy, but uh, I don't guess he'd ever spent 20 cents of it in his whole life. And the uh, preacher got to preaching. He got in pretty way, a big way of preaching. He was walking back and forth, and he said, y'all take care of the preacher's wife. And old Gail was sitting there. He said, that's right. Yes, that's right. That's right. He said, you ought to buy the preacher's wife a dress every once in a while. He said, that's right. Amen, that's right. He said, right there sits a man, I bet buy the preacher's wife a dress, won't you? He said, yes, that's right. He said, give me $30. I thought he was going to swallow that cut of the back. <laughs> Be good to them. They'll be laboring. I'm not, I'm not wasting time here. You may think I am. They'll be laboring when you're sleeping. Last Saturday night, I was up with the family to 3 o'clock in the morning. I had to get up and preach. Be in my, I was in the church always by 7 on Sunday morning. I'd be in the church, preach. Nobody in the church knew had been up to 3 o'clock. And so they'll be up many nights with families. and They'll do things that you have no idea where they are or what they're doing. And you can't, they can't even tell it because it's confidential things that they're fooling with and people that they're dealing with. And so uh, Brother Joy told me over the supper table to say this, so somebody better say amen. <laughs> no, he didn't, but be good to him. Thank you for the food. Sister, if there's any of that meatloaf left, I'll take that up the road with me. That was good meatloaf. Joy ate so much of it, I don't know what happened to it. But, but uh, thank you for the food, your kindness. I'm just trying to say tonight, and I mean it with all my heart. Thank you for being kind to me this week. I appreciate it greatly. I want you to turn tonight to Genesis chapter 18. I'm not going to be as long as I have been. That's what I wanted to hear right there. <laughs> I said that sometime a while back and somebody hollered, Hey, man! I've been long all week. I really have. I've preached hard and long. And tonight will not be nothing as depth as what I've been preaching. Some years ago, I had a preacher friend up in Birmingham, Alabama. He's dead now. He said, you need to operate on the train of your message. That didn't make no sense. I said, operate on the train of my message. He was an old man then with good friends. I said, he said, yes, sir. I said, what do you mean I need to operate on the train of my message? He said, you need to get the caboose a little closer to the engine. So you get that. Will you get that? Get the caboose a little closer to the engine. Some of y'all just now got that. Amen. I don't, I don't intend to be long tonight, I don't think. Genesis 18, verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him, that's Abraham, in the plains of Mamre. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked and 
lo, three men stood by him. When he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet. Rest yourselves under the tree. I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that, you shall pass on. For therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hasted into the tent and to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it up before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And, shall, and Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. I'm not preaching from verse 19, but I love this verse of Scripture, and it relates back to somewhat what we preached last night. God said about Abraham, for I know him. God said, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. They shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that I may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And you know the rest of the story. Abraham intercedes and uh, pleads for God to spare the city of Sodom for Lot. I preached last night. I'm not going back to that, but I preached last night on bring them out of this place. God really helped us. Let's bow to pray tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege that you've granted God and open the door for to meet more of your family, to be around more of your people, God, tonight. And Lord, thank you for that. The friends we've made this week, the preachers we've met this week, the family God that we've been able to fellowship with this week through food and fellowship. I thank you so much. Lord, thank you for how you've spoken so definitely every night. Lord, I, I, I need help tonight. I, I need your strength and your power. Lord, I, I really don't want to try to impress anyone or entertain anyone. I want God to speak your word tonight with power. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us in the time that we've got left in these hours together. Please help us. I want to ask you, God, that you would bless this place. 
when we walk away tonight, there'll be great works and great days and great ministries, God here, and children that are growing up, God, that will need to be encouraged and exhorted and, and God to be feathered in their Christian walk. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help everybody tonight in this church and this pastor and work, God, that you've got in this community. Thank you for what you're going to do. Bless every preacher, every ministry here. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Abraham in this passage is one of those Bible giants that I wish I could attain to, but I really can't. I haven't. I don't know about you. I don't know of anybody that could ever stand and boast that they have been the type of man that Abraham's been. I guess if there's two characters in the Bible that I more identify with than any other is Peter and Jacob. Amen. <laughs> That's pretty bad, ain't it? But I guess if we'd all take a good look at it, we'd probably say the same thing. But Abraham in verse 1 through 8 is found to be the friend of God. In verse 9 through 15, he's the favorite of God. In verse 16 through 23, he's the faithful to God. I want, I want to just look at verse 14 tonight, wrap the text around it a little bit. Be very short. I will not be, I don't think, as long as I've been. Neither will the message be as in-depth as it has been. But in verse 14 is a question here. Is anything, is anything, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I probably won't preach the message. I'll just give you the introduction is all I'm going to think I'm going to give you tonight. I want to look at two or three things, three probably, two maybe. Let's talk a minute about the author suggesting this question. Who is posing or suggesting or speaking this question. The Bible tells us very plainly it's the Lord that's doing that. Verse 13, the Lord said unto Abraham, is there anything too hard for the Lord? I wish we could think on that a minute tonight. Why would God speak such a question to Abraham? Why would God ask Abraham such a question? I won't spend much time on the first point, mainly on the seconds where I really want to speak a minute. But God's the one done it. Why would God do it? God is trying to elicit an answer from Abraham concerning this question. God often brings us to places in our lives and then he'll pose a question to us to make us step out of our easy place and try to elicit an answer that will be based upon faith in God. Almost every year of my life, especially for the last several years, at the beginning of the year, God makes something large in my life. Last year, not this year, last year, 2022, God really worked into my heart this thing of living by faith. I fear, if you'd just be honest with me, I fear that most of us do not live by faith. It's quiet tonight. I fear that most of us do not live. Well, I know we're told, you know we're told four times in the scriptures that we're the just are to live by faith. We're not to walk by sight, but we're to walk by faith. And sometimes God brings us to a place to test us to see if we're going to trust him or if we're going to trust ourselves. Many times in the Bible, before the Lord moved in somebody's life, he posed a question to them. He'd say, I believe ye that I'm able? He spoke to Martha and Mary on the day that Lazarus lay dead. and He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Believest thou this? He's trying to get an answer. I don't, I don't have your attention that I don't think. He's trying to get an answer. Elicit a statement of faith to get us to step out and say, Yes, God, I'm willing to trust you and to believe you. So here is the author suggesting this question. 
But let me notice the second truth, what I want to deal with a minute, uh, is simply the atmosphere surrounding this question. The atmosphere that's surrounding this question. What is the atmosphere that surrounds the question? Well, let me say number one, it is posed or asked upon a doubtful background. A doubtful background. Notice the background uh, in verse number uh, 10. He said, uh, where Sarah, your wife? And he tells them in verse 10 that according to the time of life, I'm going to give you a son. And then in verse 11, it stated that Adam, that Abraham and Sarah were old, well stricken in age, and that it ceased to be after the manner of women with Sarah. And she laughs. I believe this is a laugh of doubt. Now, I know that some don't believe that. They say that it was different, but I believe it's a laugh of doubt. The reason I say that, Abraham doubted or laughed in the chapter before, and God never rebuked him. But in this chapter, Sarah laughs, and God rebukes her. And so I'm saying this, uh, here it is on the atmosphere of a doubtful background that God poses such a question, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now stay with me a minute. It's asked upon a background uh, where death is ruling. Death is ruling. Just let me preach a minute. Uh, what I'm saying is this. Her body is dead. She cannot conceive a child. And Abraham's body is dead. He cannot father a child. And it looks absolutely hopeless uh, that this can never come to pass. Amen. It looks like this is impossible as far as humanly speaking is concerned. It is impossible that Abraham can father a child and that Sarah can conceive a child. Amen. And so on a doubtful background, death has ruled and doubt is resonating. Their hasty in age says they can't have a child. Their human ability says they can't have a child. And their hopeless attitude says they can't have a child. Amen. And so on this doubtful background, God says to Abraham, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now that's just preaching. It can just be words. Black words from a white page of a story of a man 3,500 years ago. But may I ask you this question tonight? What is it in your life that looks so doubtful? What is your anything? What, listen at me. What is your anything? crowd this side, there must be upwards of 200, 150, 200 people here. And a crowd of this size, there's no doubt in my mind, there are many anythings. And uh, here's what I'm trying to suggest to you tonight. Does, it, there, does not there come a time that we should just give in and give up and lose hope and accept reality as it really is? Or are we still to believe even when it looks like the thing that we so long for, it looks like it cannot and will not and can never come to pass? I don't know where your quietness, I'm not sure what I'm at, man. May I ask again, what is your anything? Maybe it's a child that's out in sin. I, I travel most weekly and I'm hearing the same story. Everywhere I go, I was preaching the Pickens County Camp meeting back in, back in September over in South Carolina. And uh, a man came to me, met me outside after service. It was dark. I was chilling. I had wet clothes on where I preached outside. And, and he stopped me and he said, Preacher, can I talk to you a minute? 
I said, well, just a minute, but I've got to sit in the truck. If you don't mind, I'm chilling. And uh, he said, preacher, I raised my children. All four of them grew up in Sammy Allen's church. Maybe y'all don't know who Sammy Allen is. He said that all four of my children were carried in the womb into, into the church. They were raised in the church. They were married in the church. They raised their family. And he said, now, all four of my children are out of church and I can't get them interested in getting back in. And many of my grandchildren have never seen the inside of a church. And I'm hearing that story everywhere I go. Preacher, it looks impossible. Somebody help me out there. I was in a meeting last week in revival and a man came to me crying, I mean broken. And he said, preacher, please pray for my granddaughters. He said, I've got three granddaughters. And he said, I told one of them the other night about going to church and she said, Grandpa, I'm not interested in that. I don't want nothing to do with that. I don't believe in that. He said, preacher, what do I do? Are you here tonight? You've got some, anything, something in your life. Maybe it's a marriage problem. I'm just down where the river meets the road a minute. Maybe it's a marriage problem. I was so blessed. My parents divorced after a 38 year of marriage in 1989, they divorced after a 38 year of marriage. I was so blessed when you talked about your father and your mother one day away. One day away, but it looked hopeless, didn't it? You're here, some of you folks are here tonight. I'm just gonna take my time, just talk to you out of my heart a minute. You've got some problem, it might be a marriage problem. Might be a money problem. Might be a, a child problem. A teenage problem. Maybe a, a husband that's not right with God and looks like he'll never get right with God. Maybe it's a, a child on dope uh, or a, a son or a daughter on dope or, or maybe they're out there tonight and you don't even know where they're at and it looks like, humanly speaking, that it's impossible that they will ever get right with God. And are we supposed to just roll in our sails and, and go with the flow and give up and quit and think this can never happen? The Bible said that Abraham, being not weak in faith, staggered not at the promise of God. He considered not the deadness of his own body nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and was persuaded that what God had promised, he was able. Thank God, he's able. He's able to still bring to pass what he's promised. May I be honest a minute? I'm not preaching deep. I'm just talking to you out of my heart as a pastor who's pastored for 44 years, who's dealt with about every problem. I would sometimes, this multimedia stuff is on now, it keeps you from saying sometimes what you'd like to say, really, because you can't tell stories that you'd like to tell because so many people watch this. I was preaching sometime about 10 hours from home here a while back, and I said, there's a lady in our house, works at the courthouse. That's the meanest devil I've ever seen in my life. I said, she is the meanest woman I believe I've ever seen in my life. I'm talking about 10 hours from my house, Brother Jimmy. And uh, 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 going out the door, a woman said, you was talking about so-and-so, wasn't you? I said, how do you know her? I said, I've known her a long time. I said, you told the truth. <laughs> I'm thinking right now about some situations in my mind that at our own church that some kids messed up and their life got out of hand. And, uh, and even in my own mind sometimes, I think they'll never come back to God. They're never gonna get right with God. They've gone too far. But somehow in your heart, you have to believe this verse of scripture. Is there anything? You fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. 
You take your anything. You take your problem. You take your burden. You take your worry. You take your care. And you put in that sentence. Is there anything? Is there anything? Preacher, is there anything? Now here's our problem. I told you I won't try to be long tonight. Here's our problem. We were talking a minute maybe about the answer. We talked about who's asking the question. We talked about this atmosphere surrounding the question. We could talk about the answer to the question. We all know academically. We all know academically the answer to that question. Every one of us here tonight would say, answer this question for me, everybody. Is there anything too hard for God? We know the answer academically. But son, when your back's against the wall and you're facing a dead hope, it looks like death is ruling and doubt is resonating and it looks like this thing can never, ever, ever, ever come to pass. I fear that we know something with our head that we don't often believe with our heart. I'm not preaching the greatest I've ever preached. I must have a face. I don't know what it is, but I don't know where I go. I don't care where I go. Before I get out of the place, somebody just starts dumping their load. I don't mean that critically. I'm not, I don't mean that honestly. I really don't. I was in a place going to preach here a while back, and I stopped at a Burger King to get, a, to get a burger about 3 in the evening before I went on and got to the room to settle down before I had to preach that night. I didn't have a suit on. I had dress pants on, a dress shirt like. But, and uh, this lady was behind the counter, and she waited on me. And she came over, and, and after I'd got my food and I was eating, I'd ask a blessing, and I guess she saw me. And, and she came over the table, and she said, Are you a preacher? I said, Yes, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, Would you pray for my little daughter named Tiffany? And I said, uh, I will. I said, Would you care to tell me what's the matter with Tiffany? And she began to cry. And she couldn't hardly tell me for crying. She said, Preacher, she's three years old. And said she's got eye cancer. And she said she's done went blind in her left eye and it looks like she's going to lose her right eye. And she just stood there and she said, Preacher, I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death that my little girl is going to go blind. I saw a woman there that had a situation. She was grasping at anything she could to get a hold of. And my heart going out to somebody tonight, probably more than one. You sitting here, you've got a son or a daughter or a problem or a care. I had a problem discerning the will of God. I usually don't have that problem. But all evening I wrestle with what to preach. And... Uh, and you've got, you've got something sitting there right in your mind right now. You're thinking about somebody or you're thinking about something. And you know in your head that there's nothing too hard for God. But down in your heart, you wonder, is it possible? Is it really possible? I've got an 85-year-old mother. I, my sisters are watching tonight while I'm preaching. Her last sibling died last, a year ago this past February. His wife died this morning. I'll have to drive home and go back for a funeral. And uh, my 85-year-old mother is the hardest, one of the most bitter people I've ever met. I pray for every day that God will save her. And sometimes while I'm praying, the devil jumps up on my back 
and says, you know, you know this will never happen. You know this will never happen. You know she's too far gone. Is anybody listening? Somehow I have to dig out of that doubt and rise back up again and say, God, I know, humanly speaking, this is impossible. But God, you hung the stars. And God, you keep it all on time. And I've told God in prayer, Lord, you parted the Red Sea and you kicked down the walls of Jericho. And you stopped them out of the lines and you opened prison doors. God, you've stepped into other people's life that it looked impossible that they would ever, ever, ever. You're looking at somebody that you, how I got saved, I still don't know. I, was, I had hair down to here. I looked, I mean, it was a hippie looking outfit, crazy, crazy, crazy. I've got a sister watching me tonight that she said you're the hatefulest human beings ever been born. I hated God. I hated the world. I hated every human being in it. I didn't want to live, and I was mad that anybody else was. There was no hope for me to ever get saved. But somehow or another, the God of heaven knew where I was and knew what I was going through. Amen. Amen. What are you dealing with tonight that it looks so doubtful? And you're about ready to throw in the towel and give up on your anything. Give up on your anything. God, is there anything? The atmosphere is the atmosphere of a doubtful background. Let me say secondly and quickly. Not only is the atmosphere of a doubtful background, it's the atmosphere of a dark foreground. In the morning, God's going to burn Sodom. Judgment's coming in the morning. And here's Lot, here's Abraham trapped between a doubtful background and a dark foreground. And in a morning just before judgment, can God still do, are you listening? Can God still do great and mighty things in the midst of an hour that's been on the back door of judgment? Amen. Our nation's on the back door of judgment. Can God still do anything? Can God still revive a church? Can God still save souls? Can God still birth ministries? Can God still change lives? Can God still call preachers? Can God still have godly girls and godly boys in the midst of a dark foreground? We can't give up, folks. Oh, this is not deep theology, but we can't give up. Several years back, I don't know how long now, 10 years maybe, my brother was a volunteer, my brother-in-law was a volunteer firefighter. I've got three sisters, two older, a sister and brother younger. The sister just above me, her husband was a volunteer firefighter. And my sister had kept some kids, was babysitting some kids, of a man that we went to school with. And one night, up in the middle of the night, fire broke out at their house just a few miles down the road from where my sister lived and babysat those kids. And my brother-in-law, the, the protocol was always come to the fire department and go with the fire department. Don't ever go to the scene by yourself. But it was the house where my sister was babysitting those kids. And he had to pass it, so he decided instead of it was engulfed in fire, he decided instead of passing the house and going to the fire department and come back, he would do what he could until the fire department got there. And so following protocol, the lights were out, power was out, had a little flashlight, house was engulfed in flames and smoke. He got down on his knees as he'd been taught to do, and he crawled through the floor. When he got there, I didn't tell you the first of it, when he got there, the lady was, the wife was out in the yard screaming, my, my son's in there. 
My sister held her while my brother-in-law went inside. He crawled around, my brother. Listen at me. He crawled around, fielding in front of the little boy and trying to find that little boy. And he got so intense he had to back out and he couldn't get in. By the time the fire department got in, the house caved in. You can imagine what the mama went through. My sister went through because she kept the kid every day. On the next day, after they found the little boy, he was hunked up in a little corner. And this is what my brother-in-law said with tears in his eyes. Sister Kelly, this is what he said. He said, if I'd have just went a little further, he said, Buster, my hand passed within six inches of that boy. He said, if I had just went a little further. There are some people that are on the edge of total destruction. If we would just go, just go a little further. I'm going to quit. I told you I've got a whole message I could preach here, but I'll just give you the introduction. What's your anything? What's your anything? What's your anything? What's your anything? What's your anything down there, preacher, where you're trying to pastor a bunch of people and hold them together and keep them walking right and doing right in a society that's 1,000% against what we're trying to do? I wonder tonight, I, I tell you, this is not the best I've ever preached, but I believe it's where the Lord had me tonight. What is it in your personal life? Can I tell you this? Sister, would you come to piano just a minute? A brother, yes, a brother, that's fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that's fine. Just don't play for just a second if you don't care. I went to the church that I'm at 33 years ago. First Sunday there, my wife said to me, she said, what would you do if God burned you to pastor here? And this is what I said. I said, God cannot law that mess off on me. I've been there 33 years. It was the deadest, fightingest, quarrelingest, most cantankerous. I, I, I hoped that somebody would get a petition to vote me out so I could sign it. It was that bad. Nobody wanted to leave worse than I did, but God wouldn't let me. And I had a dream. I'm not talking about a literal dream. I had a hope that someday we get over all that and God would give us a good church. For 18 years, I cried my eyes out. I got my heart broke every time I went to church. I've seen my wife sit and cry. Our hearts busted. And I'd say, God, I'd like to see a church here one day. And there was many times that it was hope against hope. And I thought this will never happen. It's too much here. One day, God busted that thing wide open and gave us a pretty good church. I, won't, I don't know if I ever see you folks again here in this life. I promise you I'll meet you in the other one. I may never see you folks again. But I want to encourage you tonight. Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on your hope, preacher. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know if you're even struggling over there. Brother Thompson, I don't know. But let me encourage you tonight, my brother. Don't give up. There's nothing too hard for God. That one that you think is just as sure going to hell as his name's what it is, that'll be the one that's your lowest point in your life. I'm trying to hush, but I can't.
trying to hush. Brother Taylor, I pastored a church before I came to where I'm at right now, 33 years ago. I pastored a church six years. There was a boy there. He was a bodybuilder. He had arms, I'm telling you, he had arms like a bull elephant. I remember when he finally got saved. Maybe tell you about that in a minute. But I, I prayed for that boy. I witnessed that boy. I preached to that boy. I fasted for that boy. I would fast four and five days at a time for God to save that boy. And he'd come to church and sit and look at me and spit his bubble gum like he didn't know nothing was going on. I thought, I don't get it. I got frustrated even fooling with him. And one day I got so discouraged, I managed a building supply like a Lowe's. And I got so discouraged. I thought, now don't, don't, don't fall out with me for a minute, just listen to me. I thought, a man came in the store one day and he offered me a job. I'm telling you, making piles of money. Piles of money. I'd have had to left my job. I'd have had to left my everything sold out. I'd have had to quit my church and move and everything. It sounded good. I was discouraged. It sounded good. I'd made up my mind I was going to take it. So I'm at the, store, at the office that day my, where I was at working at the building supply, and uh, I'm at the office that day, and I shut the door to pray. It's prayer meeting night, and I shut the door to pray, and this is what I had in my mind, Brother Taylor. I'm just telling this for a reason. It's what I had in my mind. If I can make it through the night, if I can preach tonight and I make it through the night, I'm done with this stuff. That's what I had in my head. I'm done with it. If I can just get through the night. So I was praying and I said, Lord, I need something to preach tonight. If you give me something tonight, I'll be all right for this get through the night. And here's what God gave me. I preached that night on victory unto defeat. Sounds crazy, don't it? Victory unto the feet. And I, I preached about some folks in the Bible who God let them have their way. And they won. They had victory. But the victory led to defeat. I talked about Noah's generation. I talked about Samson. I talked about Jonah. And it was like a boomerang, Brother, brother Wampler. I'm trying to shut up here. It was like a boomerang. Every time I'd preach, it'd go out there come right back and hit me in the head. I'd preach some more and go out there and come right back and hit me in the head. And God said, if that's what you want, that's what I'll let you do. If you want to give it up, I'll let you give it up. That's what you want, but I promise you, in winning, you'll lose. You'll have your way, but in having your way, you'll lose. Oh, I was under conviction of myself. I couldn't wait till everybody got gone. Well, Denver's there that night, that guy I prayed for and preached to. There were times I'd fasted for him. I had so much God on my soul, I thought it was going to explode. Preached to him, and he'd go out the door. It didn't bother me at all. That night, Denver's there. Going out the door, old Denver caught my eye. Just looked at me. Holy Ghost said, he's wanting to be saved. I was so backslid at that moment. I was willing to let him go on out the door. But he walked about five steps. I said, hey, Denver, the Lord spoke to you tonight. He turned around and said, yeah, preacher, I'd like to get saved. Lord, let me. And he got saved. Hey. He was so big, he had, he had a big old chest where he worked out. He sucked me up under there and hugging me. about broke my back. I said, turn me loose. You're going to kill me, man. Turn me loose. So every night on Thursday night prayer meetings, what we had a prayer meeting, every Thursday night after service, we went to the Piggly Wiggly to trade. That's a grocery store, by the way. And the store owner had a cup of Coke sitting on the bar every Thursday night, and I got that and drunk it while my wife traded. That night we went to the Piggly Wiggly. We started going to the store, and I said, I think I'll sit in the car. We come back out and started home, about 30-mile drive. And my wife said, you're awful quiet. What's the matter? I said, honey, today I was getting ready to quit church. 
I was getting ready to give up the ministry. I was getting ready. I was so discouraged. I said, I got offered a job in Manassas, Virginia, and I was going to take that job. And I was going to leave it all behind. I said, but I'm confused. I said, I prayed for Denver when I was right with God, preached to him when I was right with God, and couldn't even get to him. But I preached tonight, backslid, and God saved him. went on home and got the groceries out and I sat down at the kitchen table. My wife went on to bed. Don't, don't ever let your wife preach to you. She said, you're just going to make up your mind. You're serving God. I'm going to bed. You know, well, God bless you too, dear. And by daylight come to my mind that God don't need me. God don't need me. He can do his work, his way, at his time. God said all you need to do is just get out of the way. I'm trying to give an invitation. I've not preached much Bible tonight as I normally preach, but Somewhere in this crowd, there's an anything. There's an anything in a mama's life, in a daddy's life. There's an anything. The devil's got you convinced it's never going to happen. But I close with this statement. Is there anything too hard? stay.